Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning, and welcome to the Flatline. I am your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few moments, I would like to invite you to stay with me. It's going to be about 30 minutes of motivation, some inspiration, some education, and we always do it without any manipulation. We don't try to con you. We don't have hidden agendas. We're not trying to solicit money. We're not trying to sell anything. This show is simply about giving accurate information. That information is designed to verify and identify the plan of God for your life. And if you would like to orient and adjust to the plan, you always have the freedom and the privacy to do that in your own soul. But this is a unique show. No human speculation. Just giving you the principles and the precepts found in the Word of God that establish the priorities in life that make you successful. You know, we only get one shot at it. And uh, bad decisions limit future options. We've always heard that said before. And so we have to be sure that we get it right. And if we make enough bad decisions, we don't have any options left. That's part of the problems in life. And so uh, please listen to me today. We've just come through a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. So many things to be thankful about. Thankful about our freedom that we have in this country. Thankful about the amazing men and women that have given their lives and sacrificed themselves to purchase our freedom because we do understand that freedom is never free. It always costs somebody something. Even our spiritual freedom costs Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, his death upon the cross. And our physical freedom requires death and blood to be shed as well so that we can stay free. And so you are free today, free to ignore God, free to ignore God's word, free to go down the my way highway, free to do whatever you, whatever you want to do. And you're free to listen and you're free to learn. No one can change that about you. You're responsible for your own decisions. You see, when God made you, God gave you a soul. And inside that soul, it's an amazing thing. We cannot see it and we can't touch it. But your soul has mentality, which means you have the ability to think logic and reason and, and comprehend. You're that person. You can do that. And so God gave you that ability. And you can listen and, and comprehend and decide for yourself, is this stuff junk or is it really true? You see, God gave you a mentality. And God gave you a volition. He gave you the ability to choose. He did not make you into a little automaton. You're a free individual. And you can choose what you want to think. And that's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you. It was also in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote it another way when he talks in Romans 12 about stop thinking of ourselves in terms of arrogance, beyond what we should think. But think in terms of humility as God has assigned to each one of us a standard of thinking from his word. So it's clear I am responsible for what I think, and if I'm thinking, I can think human viewpoint. That's what I can think. Or I can think divine viewpoint. Human viewpoint is self-explanatory. It's what the world offers you. It's what your friends may tell you. 
And divine viewpoint is what the Bible says, God's view. And so in these days of compromise, excuse me, as we see the very foundations of America being changed, things that we would have never believed 50 years ago or even 30 years ago have changed so that a lot of compromising is taking place. And it's all affecting the thinking of the future generations and what they think will be more compromise. If you compromise enough, you don't have a nation left. And that's kind of the way we're heading, I believe. I think we're in serious trouble because I don't think very many people think for themselves. And so I want you to think about what I'm about to tell you today. It's critical. There's a word that I want to talk about. It's called grace. It's a phenomenal word. And if you are a Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, this is a word that you should be familiar with. I want to talk to you about grace living in Christ Jesus. Grace living in Christ Jesus. Grace is a wonderful word, and in the original manuscripts, it's spelled C-H-A-R-I-S. Charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. That's the Greek spelling of the English word G-R-A-C-E, grace. Grace is very simple. Grace is all that God is free to do for mankind without compromising his divine essence. Grace means favor from God, kindness from God, and mercy from God. And you and I have been graced out. We are the recipients of God's wonderful grace. One of the most fantastic problem-solving devices for us to learn. You know, this show is built on the flot line, F-L-O-T, flot, remember that? The forward line of troops and those 10 unique problem-solving devices that we learn, and one of them is grace orientation. That is one of the most fantastic problem-solving devices. When you understand how grace works, when you understand the provisions in grace, it will change your attitude about how you live and how you look at other people. You see, let's start with salvation. Grace, salvation. What do I mean by that? I mean, how do we become a Christian? Well, first of all, we don't earn equity with God by means of good works. Many people actually think that's how it goes. They think Christians are supposed to do good things, and yes, we are, but that does not earn us points with God. Doing good things does not earn you brownie points with God. You are not building equity with God because you don't cheat on your taxes. You are not building equity with God because you don't cheat on your spouse. You're not building equity with God because you're not a drunkard or a drug user or because you treat all your neighbors kindly. You can do all those things and still die and go to hell. See, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man would brag about it. So the biggest threat 
to grace is religion. Religion is legalism. And religion will teach you to build equity with God by tithing. Religion will teach you to build equity with God by church attendance. Religion will teach you that you can build equity with God by observing a certain taboos in your lifestyle. You know, don't drink, don't dance, don't smoke, don't wear makeup. All the religious taboos. And if you observe all the taboos, you're a good person and you'll go to heaven. But that's not what the Bible says. Because the Bible says there are none that are good. No, not even one. All of our good works are like a filthy rag in God's eyes. And so in spite of all that you do to produce good things, you cannot count on that to take you to heaven. At the great white throne of judgment, this verse is brought up, Lord, Lord, in thy name did I not do many wonderful things. In thy name did I not cast out demons, and I did this, I did that. And here's what Jesus said. Our Lord and Savior will say, Depart from me, ye that worked iniquity. I never knew you. You see, it's possible to do a lot of good things and not be a Christian. Morality is not Christianity. And people that are not Christians can be moral. People that are not Christians don't cheat on their wife sometimes. People that are not Christians don't cheat on their taxes sometimes. People that are not Christians give money to, to uh, worthy charitable causes, yes. Same thing you may do. That doesn't mean they're a Christian, and that doesn't mean you're a Christian because you do good works. There's a passage in Luke 18. Verses 9 through 14. This is what it says. This is a parable that the Lord Jesus Christ gave. And it's the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. Then he spoke this parable face to face with certain ones who had trusted in themselves. And that's the key to it. That's what religion does. It trusts in its own production. Its own works. Let me ask you a simple question. If you died today, would you go to heaven? Would you? Did you just say, I think so? Did you say, I hope so? Did you say, I believe so or I'm trying? What do you think? You're going to get to heaven and, and then they're going to balance the scales and put all the bad things on one side and all the good things on the other side. And if the good outweighs the bad, you're in doesn't work like that. You see, the Bible says these things are written so that you may know that you have eternal life. He that has the Son has life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Do you mean to tell me that I can know it? Yes, that's exactly what I mean to tell you. You can know it. If you have believed in Jesus Christ and received him as your Savior, you can know it. To as many as received him, God gave the gift of eternal life. The Bible's clear. The Bible's very clear about that. He that believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Not he that believeth in him and does good things. See, that's religion. And here's the danger of that. When you add 
believing in the Lord Jesus Christ plus, now you're going to add something to it, plus being good, then the works can cancel out the grace because it's not faith alone in Christ alone. If it's faith plus baptism, if it's faith plus not smoking or faith plus not drinking or faith plus not whatever, then it cancels out the faith. It's not faith alone. It's you just saying, I believe, but I'm backing it up by saying, oh, yeah, and by the way, I'm counting on these things too. What are you counting on to get to heaven? First John 5, 1 says, he that believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's too simple for you, isn't it? John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's too simple for you, isn't it? Just believing in Jesus Christ? And you mean I don't have to do other things? No, you don't. You don't earn your way to heaven. You believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, this is the will of the one that sent me, that you believe in whom, me and whom he have sent. Do you believe that Jesus is the anointed son of God? Do you believe that he died on the cross for you? Well, if you believe that, then you can pray a simple prayer to express your faith to God the Father. And why would you want to do that? Because the Bible says, whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so you can pray a simple prayer, and you can say, Heavenly Father, I believe your son Christ died for my sin, and I am willing to accept the payment he made. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me eternal life. That simple. And that's what you don't like. It's too simple, isn't it? Because you can't put your two cents worth in. You can't do your part to help it. No, you can't. How could an imperfect person, a person that's not perfectly holy and righteous, ever satisfy the character of a holy and righteous God? Only Christ could do that because he was the Lamb of God without spot and without blemish that took away the sin of the world. He was the only one that could do that. And you may be surprised to know why. First of all, he was not born with a sinful nature like you. And no man had anything to do with his birth. He was virgin born. We are born by procreation. And by procreation, we receive the imputation of Adam's original sin and spiritual death. Christ was the second Adam created spiritually alive, and unlike the first Adam who died spiritually when he disobeyed God, the Lord Jesus Christ never sinned, and he went to the cross sinless. That's why his payment satisfied God's demand, and that's why you cannot add to it. So grace salvation, trusted in themselves, this parable said, 
He spoke the parable face to face with certain ones who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And then listen to the arrogance here. Listen. Regarded others with contempt. That's right. That's what religion will do. Religion will look at you and and uh, regard you with contempt. They'll say, you must not be much of a Christian. Look how you're dressed. You're over there. Look at you. How could you be a Christian and do that? It's because they're always sticking their nose into your business. That's the legalist. That's the scribes and the Pharisees that got all bent out of shape when they saw Jesus Christ dining with tax collectors and prostitutes. It blew their mind. How could he do that? (laughs) Because he's God. He can do whatever he wanted to do. They regard others with contempt. And Jesus said the two men in this parable of Luke 18, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself in this way. And let me emphasize how he did it. Oh, God, I thank you. I'm not like other people. I'm not a swindler. I'm not an evildoer. I'm not an adulterer like this tax collector standing over here. I fast every week twice, and I pay a tithe of all that I get. So he's comparing himself to the tax collector that he assumes is a horrible, unworthy person of being saved. But the problem is he was the horrible, unworthy person. Jesus said the tax collector stood some distance away, and he was unwilling to even lift his eyes to heaven. But he kept striking on his chest, and he said, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I say to you, this man went down to his home having been justified rather than the other man. For whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, but the one who humbles himself shall be exalted. Do you see what was going on? It's the same thing that goes on today. The big thrust of psychology is the trust in yourself. They have a buzzword for it. They call it self-esteem. And it's part of the modus operandi of all spiritual skills, self-esteem. It's a very subtle type of arrogance. Once you're born again, you can forget about all that self-esteem stuff. We are totally dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ and absolutely not trusting in anything of ourselves. That's human viewpoint. We only trust in the Word of God. Excuse me, and that's divine viewpoint. So when you understand grace, what a wonderful way to live. You can actually relax and you know you're going to heaven. You know you're not going to lose this gift. God is not an Indian giver. He said, I give unto them eternal life and they will never perish. No one shall ever take him out of my Father's hand. Jesus himself said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Paul wrote, even if we believe not, yet he still will remain faithful. Listen, can you not relax? You're going to heaven. You have trusted in Christ 
faith alone in Christ alone. You told God you are believing in his son, you are receiving his son as your savior, and you are standing on that alone. You are a Christian. You are saved. You're going to heaven, and you're not going to lose it. That's how wonderful grace is. You didn't buy this. You didn't earn this. God's not keeping score about this. You're in because of what Christ did for you. It's free. It's a gift. You're in. You need to fall on your knees and thank God for that. Because if you had to earn your way in, if you had to build equity, you'd be a long time trying to get to first base. Grace, salvation. There's also grace living, you know that? Grace living. What a wonderful way to live. When you understand this and operate under grace living, there's never an excuse for you to have a bad day. Never. You know, uh, there are Christians who are legalists. They are believers. They have accepted Christ as their Savior. But they want to impose their legalism on you. They want to tell you how you should live your Christian life. I went through that as a young Christian. I had people that tried to persuade me that I should live a certain way. And I didn't know the difference. I can assure you of that. I I had just been a Christian a short time. I didn't know what was right and what was wrong. I just knew I was going to heaven. I knew I had accepted Christ. But thank goodness, I found a qualified pastor who began to teach me the word of God. And it saved me from having to extract myself from a pit full of mud that I could have gotten into by following the example of my friends who were so concerned about me to make sure that I live the right way as a Christian. You know, it was kind of like you should only drive a Volkswagen to show you're humble, and you should only have one pair of underwear to show you're humble, and you should sell everything and give it to the poor, and you should pray five times every day, and it goes on and on and on. You can't keep up with them. You can't satisfy them because they're always trying to tell you how you should live your life. I'm going to tell you right now how to live your life, and I feel confident in telling you this. 2 Peter 3.18 says, Grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You grow in grace, that means the way you treat people, just like God treated you, and the knowledge, in other words, understanding how our Lord Jesus Christ functioned when he was on this earth, as we look into the mind of Christ, we begin to replicate the mind of Christ, and we see how the Lord Jesus Christ used grace. What a way to live. You can live under grace orientation, which means you never have to lose your temper, you never have to have hatred, you never have to have bitterness, you never have to have antagonism, you never have to be implacable. You can do one simple thing in grace, and it's a wonderful thing. It's called forgiveness. 
when you learn how to totally forgive people for the wrong things they do to you, then you cannot have a bad day. There's no way because you're not thinking about all the bad stuff that happened to you. Timothy was told to be strong in the grace that comes from Christ Jesus in his life. So consistent grace, consistent grace, that's a wonderful thing. There's no legalism in salvation. There's no legalism in the Christian way of life. You see, you're not a good Christian because you don't smoke. You're not a good Christian because you don't drink. I mean, those may be things Christians don't do. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say don't smoke. It says don't harm your body. Five chickens a day may be just as bad as five cigarettes a day. And the Bible doesn't say don't drink. It says don't get drunk. It says don't be a stumbling block. But we come up with all these ideas of legalism. Well, brother, how could you be a Christian and do that, brother? I even had a guy one time tell me, oh, brother, I'd love to fish in a tournament with you, but my people would think I'm gambling if I'm fishing in a tournament. Come on, what a pitiful way to live that a, that a man can't even go in a fishing tournament without being judged. And that's what the world is good about doing. Legalism will judge you. So sooner or later, God will take every believer and bring them to the end of their human resources and he will make them totally dependent upon the divine provisions of God. In Acts thirteen forty three. When the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many of the Jews of the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who began speaking to them, urging them to continue to grow in the grace of God. God has a plan for you. It's the protocol plan of God. You've heard me talk about it. The right thing has to be done in the right way. And the policy of the protocol plan of God is grace. Grace is the precedence for the Christian way of life. Grace, living in grace, enjoying grace assets, giving grace, treating people in grace, receiving grace. What a wonderful way to live. I love to grace people out. I love to grace people out. That means you don't get mad at them. You don't retaliate. It means you bless them beyond their wildest imaginations. You go above and beyond the call of duty when you're dealing with other people. Gracing people out is wonderful because God graces me out. <clears throat> so if you got a waiter and and the waiter waits on you at a restaurant and, and you look over there and say, I think I'll leave a $5 tip. Well, that's fine. But you see, I may want to leave a $20 tip. I may want to grace that kid out, grace that lady out. She didn't earn it, didn't deserve it. I'm going to give it to her free. That's just one illustration. I mean, isn't that what God did for you? Gave you more than you could stand? All in grace, all free, all wonderful gifts from God. You need to learn about this. You need to exploit it. It is the way to live in Christ. Grace living in Christ is amazing. And it's the most wonderful life in the world. Till next week, this is Rick Hughes saying thank you for listening to The Flatline. 
Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.